Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. We're very excited about the expert that we have with us today. So Dr. Ashford, can you please introduce yourself and tell me and our listeners a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? I'd love to. My name is Sue Ashford. I am the Michael and Susan Jandernoa Professor of Management and Organizations. I am a fac- long-standing faculty member. I also just stepped down from being the area chair for the management and organizations group here in the business school. Fantastic, thank you. And can you share a little bit about the areas in which your research focuses? Yeah, I've studied for a long time uh, leaders and leadership development, how to help people to lead more effectively in organizations. And it's part of a broader interest I've had in how people can be more effective in their organizational lives more generally, whether they're in a leader role or not. But the last 10 years, I've specialized around this issue of leadership. A study that you co-authored with colleagues from the University of Florida was recently featured in a Michigan News article and is forthcoming in the Journal of Applied Psychology. Can you briefly tell us about the study about self-compassion and the findings from that work? Yeah, I'm delighted to. The article started from the observation that though we like to talk about leadership as if it's something everyone aspires to and everyone hopes to do, it actually is somewhat fraught. There's various risks in stepping up to lead And it has a lot of challenges. And we wanted to recognize the challenges in the leader role. And we tackled that by studying the potential impact of taking a more self-compassionate stance towards yourself and the challenges you face. And we were wondering whether that might play a role in helping people to lead more and lead more effectively. Because it's interesting, we talk about anyone who holds a role of authority in an organization as a leader. But if you ask people, have you ever had a boss who didn't lead, almost every hand in the room goes up. So we know that people, even if they hold a role as leader, don't always lead effectively. And we thought that maybe being a bit more self-compassionate as you face leader challenges might help people to lead more. We looked at whether engaging in morning reflection about your challenges in a self-compassionate way, whether that would help you to maintain a leader identity, to see yourself as a leader throughout the day, and therefore help you to act in a more leader-like way. And we compared that to a control condition, which was just thinking about an event for the same amount of time and reflecting on it in writing in the same number of sentences. And what we found was that if you 
you thought about your challenges, but in a self-compassionate way, you maintained a leader identity more. So you could think about it. If you feel the role is extremely challenging, it's hard to think that you're really a leader. You start to doubt whether you really are a leader, whether that really describes you. But if you think about those same challenges with some self-compassion, um, for example, tell us about a time when you were understanding and patient towards yourself when experiencing challenges at work because of your leader role. So if you did it in that compassionate way, you still were able to maintain this idea that you really were a leader, that that's part of your identity. And then that identity drove more frequent helping to your the people around you, peers and subordinates with both task issues and personal issues. And it also paid off in terms of those folks seeing you as more effective as a leader. So it paid dividends for both the people around you and for you yourself. And based on that, what are steps that people can take to, rather than be critical of themselves, recognize those strengths and become more self-compassionate? Well, through, across these two studies, the first was uh, what we call an experience sampling methodology study, where we asked people, do this this morning, and then we looked at the payoff in their days. The second study, we just looked at, um, we just asked people to uh, think about their leader role with compassion, think about their leader role generally, to have compassion generally, or a control condition, which was think about something else. And we found that the only thing that really helped you to maintain a leader identity was when you thought about your leader role and the challenges in it compassionately. So the practical implication is very direct. If you develop a habit of thinking about the challenges you face as a leader with more compassion towards yourself, you're going to be better off both in enacting your leader role, in helping other people, and you're gonna be better off because people are going to see you as more effective. We also found that this was more true for people lower in what we called structural power. So you think of this as people who are new to the leader role, people who are just starting out as leaders, this compassion towards the self as you face challenges is even more important for your effectiveness and for your ability to lead well. We tested it with just a simple reflection on, tell, think about a time when you're facing a challenge with compassion. So anyone in the world hoping to adopt this could just, when they have a challenge, could just put into their morning routine, thinking about themselves enacting and facing that challenge with some patience, understanding, and support towards themselves. Thank you for diving into that. We really appreciate it. Related to your research, you recently published a book, The Power of Flexing, How to Use Small Daily Experiments to Achieve Big Life-Changing Growth. 
Can you provide an overview of this book and share any insights that are really, you really want to highlight for our audience? Yes, it's interesting that you put these two together because the book really grew out of this work on leadership and helping people to develop competencies as leadership. You know, leadership is an interpersonal activity. So your personal and interpersonal effectiveness is really essential to doing that well. Along the way of writing the book, it got expanded to be not just about leadership, but about all the ways in which we need to grow our personal and interpersonal effectiveness. It could be you as a parent, you as a community member, you as a staff person working with peers. We all need to think about ways in which we could be more personally effective. One of the things we know from how leaders develop is that people learn those kinds of skills through the experiences they are having in life. So challenging experiences help you to learn how to be more effective. And what we argued is that people don't automatically learn anything from their experiences, but rather they need to learn to capitalize on the learning that's there in their experiences to get more out of it. And so the book identifies a set of seven practices that help people learn more from their experiences about who they are, how they show up, how, what they could do better, how well they're doing, et cetera. And the book involves these different practices that have ideas about how you approach experiences, for example, the mindset you adopt as you go into an experience can either enhance your learning or prevent you from learning very much at all. The power of flexing really gets at the idea that we will learn more if we flex and try different things in our experience around things we've set a goal for. So if we want to be a better listener as we're going into an important meeting, we might decide to experiment with speaking last. We might decide to experiment with summarizing what we've heard before we go on to say what we think. So the idea of flexing is that you're going to grow more if you try out different things in different ways of being or ways of achieving your goal. And then you, know, you seek feedback, but also there's a big part of reflection, which again, connects to the first study we talked about, which was really engaging leaders in a reflection to see what impact it might have on their day. So in the power of flexing, people learn more from their experiences, whatever they are, whether it's experience with suddenly, you know, your kids are grown and you need to be a different kind of parent, or you've retired and you need to learn how to handle free time well, or you've just taken your first professional job coming out of college and suddenly you need to develop some new ways of being effective. The book invites you to set a particular specific goal, design some experiments, try them out, see how they land, reflect on it and extract some lessons. So it's a way of developing yourself that really puts the power in you rather than waiting around for someone to suggest development for you. Here, you get to decide what you wanna grow, how you want to grow 
in this way and you get to go at it in a way that helps you to grow. So it's been a really fun book. People have really loved the empowered feeling they get from reading the book and have found the set of seven practices to really provide just enough structure to help that growth without being so monolithic that it's overwhelming. As you were explaining some of those, providing some of those different examples of, um, you know, someone who's transitioning in their career, someone who's just out of college, it really got me thinking because this, this book does sound very empowering and it, we're in a time that is, you know, being referred to as the quote unquote great resignation, where a lot of individuals and employees from a lot of different fields are kind of exploring new paths and trying new things. And, you know, whether it's born out of coming, you know, somewhat out of a pandemic or not, I just think that it, it seems so applicable right now to really emphasize the self-reflection and self-compassion. And I'm just wondering if over the course of the last 18 months or so, if, you know, there have been any, um, anything that you've seen or anything that really inspired you to kind of examine this further? Or was this all in the works well before that? Well, it was well in, well in the works before the pandemic, but I've certainly heard from readers and people interested in the book that it seems very relevant now. And when I ask them about that, they say, well, I, you know, one, they say, I'm going back to be with people. Suddenly, I need to work on being interpersonally effective in a way that I didn't for 18 months. So we developed some habits during the pandemic. Uh, maybe we don't listen quite as well. Maybe we multitask instead of being fully present with other people. Maybe we've lost the ability to articulate our thoughts well or to sense how they're landing by reading other people because we can't do a lot of that through Zoom and uh, the other ways in which we've been interacting. So some people have thought it's really applicable just because they're coming back to being in person with other people. Others have said that the world is so overwhelming right now that just having a set of small things they can do to keep moving and keep growing really has helped them. They've said, you know, really life is about growth. And I think the best thing you can say about someone later in their life is that they always continue to grow and develop. The world's changing around us all the time. And the more we can grow, the more we can be our most creative selves where we're really growing the person we most want to be and sustaining that over time. So people do feel both empowered and inspired. I wanted to make one final comment having to do with your talk about career transitions and the great resignation. You know, a lot of people are thinking about this. It is true that during the pandemic, our ties to any particular organization got looser. We weren't really around people and in the place and in the culture all the time. And it's much easier to imagine ourselves doing something else and being in a different way. So if that resignation has taken you to working on your own independently, starting your own business and so forth, I think the power of flexing will be super helpful 
as you tackle some of those tasks and try to grow yourself into being a solo worker effectively. It's not easy. It's another thing that I've studied. The other is that people, young people coming out today probably are going to move every three to five years. So Jeff Schwartz, a friend of mine who's a partner at Deloitte and a bit of a futurist, he says that instead of thinking about us as having a career, a singular career, we should think about us as having 15 chapters. And so the person you are for chapter two or three is probably not the person you're going to need to be for chapter 13, 14, 15. So you really do need to have a methodology for growing that you're comfortable with so that you can apply it in various ways at various times throughout your careers. So to pull the study and the book together a little bit, you know, the power of flexing ends with this idea of the need to reflect on our experiences in order to really extract the lessons to be learned so that we can implement them in our future experiences. And the first study really put leaders in that role of reflecting. But what it adds to the book is the idea that if you reflect in a self-compassionate way, that it pays dividends, that there's something about being kind to oneself as you go through life's challenges that help you both to be better people for others, to be seen as more competent and more interpersonally warm, but also to get more, to learn more and get more out of it because you're not distracting the learning with all the self-judgments that we often engage in when we reflect. Thank you, Dr. Ashford, so much for all of this information. As our time comes to a close, I just wanted to ask if there is anything else that you want to share or if there are any big takeaways that you really want everyone to remember when they walk away from listening to this conversation. Well, you can find me at susanashford.com and I really invite you to go there. It gives you links to the book and also about speaking uh, that I do. But I guess the main thing is I really wish people good growth, good growth during this time of change for all of us and a time of stress for all of us where we're coping with a whole variety of things, that the ability to keep growth on your agenda, I think really will be life-giving during this time so that you feel like you're creating the person you really most want to be in this world. And I really wish that for all of the listeners. An incredibly positive note for us to end on. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.